I can invite you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 17. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign from the Lord your God. Make it as deep as the grave or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I won't ask. I won't test the Lord. Then Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, isn't it enough for you to be tiresome for people that you were also tiresome before my God? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. He will eat butter and honey and learn to reject evil and choose good. Before the boy learns to reject evil and choose good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. The Lord will bring upon you, upon your people, and upon your families days unlike any that have come since the day Ephraim broke away from Judah, the king of Assyria. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. Before I begin, um, I just want to remind you again, if you haven't picked up an Advent devotional, I'd encourage you to do so. They go along with the, the sermon themes. Uh, if there's folks worshiping from home and you'd like one, please contact the church office or let me or Mindy know and we'll get them in the mail to you this week. This morning, I want to begin as we're beginning the season of Advent by inviting you to think about what it means for us to be a people of hope. Since that is normally what we recognize and what we remember on this first season of Advent. And so I want to begin this morning by inviting you to think about times or stories that you've heard in your life that illustrate hope. I came across a story from four years ago. And it was about, oh, I'm sorry, Ella, I forgot about the video. All right, we're going to watch the video real fast. So I want to begin with the story uh, that I came across about a story of hope, and it was two commercial fishermen fishing off the coast of Long, Long Island, New York, about four years ago. They were named John and Anthony, and in the story, they were about 40 miles out to sea. Anthony was below deck sleeping, while John was above deck starting to get things ready for them to begin pulling in their catch. As John was working on the things that he needed to do, he was at the rear of the boat and pulled on a handle, and the handle snapped, causing him to fly backward, losing his balance and falling into the water. As John fell into the water, nothing changed on the boat. It was on autopilot or cruise control, and so the motors continued with their same drone. The boat maintained its same speed that it had been on 
minus one passenger. And so John called for help as he began treading for water, realizing that Anthony, one, wouldn't hear him over the motors, and two, wouldn't hear him because he was also down in the cabin asleep. And so as the boat got further and further away, John began to feel like this was a hopeless situation. As he watched the boat pull away, as he realized he was 40 miles you know, from land, and as he treaded water, he had no life jacket, no way to communicate, and no boat. If there was anything on that day that we might consider hopeless, it would be that, wouldn't it? But then he began to assess his situation, and he realized that the boots that were on his feet were buoyant. And so he took one off, emptied it of water, flipped it over, and trapped air within it, and put it under one armpit. And then he did the same with the second boot, fashioning a makeshift flotation device. He could now stay afloat without having to expend all of his energy to tread water. And so for him, at this moment, we begin to see... That's a good friend right there. Um, and he realized John wasn't on the boat. He called the Coast Guard. He notified them what has happened. He was also able to look at the boat and see the exact handle that had snapped and realize because of that handle, he was able to know roughly where the John would have been dealing or messing with that handle, using that handle, because it was used at a certain time in terms of the depth of the water. So he was able to relay a more specific area for the Coast Guard to focus their search. And so night passed and the next morning came and John saw a fishing buoy. He swam over to it and crawled on top of it. And so there's another glimpse of hope as he was now out of the water. Less than an hour later, he saw in the distance a Coast Guard helicopter approaching. They saw John positioned on the top of the buoy as he waved to the searchers and they pulled him to safety. When John reached the helicopter, the Coast Guard men or people told him that they'd been looking for him for the past nine hours. His response to them was, that's great, I've been looking for you all for the past 12 hours. <laughs> and so isn't this a great story of hope? That John had a sliver of hope and that he took the chance to do what he needed to do in order to survive even when he knew that survival was not a sure thing. And so at times, if you want to think about hope, isn't that what hope is? It's acting or believing in something even when we know that there is not a sure thing and it is not guaranteed. So hope is believing in something when it appears that, that nothing might happen correctly. Or if we think that there's no reasonable chance, yet still we believe something is possible. Friends, and that is hope. There's hope. Hope that causes us to pause when it seems like things are out of control. Hope that causes us to believe when we have been told that it is the end. Hope that causes us to be willing to bet on the sliver of a chance that something might happen rather than giving up. That is hope. And so I ask you today to think to yourself, what is hope to me? It could be something simple. When your power goes out in the storm and you light a candle and your house is illuminated more. That's hope. Hope is believing in the percentage of healing or of recovery. When you've been told that the chances for an opposite outcome are much greater. Hope is believing and hearing the words, it's going to be okay. Hope is the flicker of faith and living into the possibility of maybe. 
And see, hope is the fuel of our faith. And it's the fuel of our dreams. And so hope is what we proclaim and hope is what we remember when we light the first candle on our Advent wreath this Sunday and as we gather here together. Because Advent, if it's nothing else, is Advent is a season of hope. It's a season of coming. It's a season of arrival. It's a season of expectation, of waiting, of anticipating, of longing. It's not just a prequel to Christmas. Because what Advent does is Advent connects us with the birth of Jesus and the work of God throughout history as we anticipate and look forward to God's continued work in the future. And so in the season of Advent, we remember the words of Isaiah in this morning's scripture where he says, a woman will be with child and she will name that child Emmanuel, which means God's son or God with us. And so in Advent, we are reminded, we are invited, we are expected to and to prepare for the coming of Jesus as we align ourselves with God and his presence in this world. And so this morning, we start with hope. And see, really, we don't start with hope. Because as people of faith and a people of God's word, we know that the scriptures are full of stories of hope. That God's relationship between him and his creation, humanity, has always been a story of hope. Adam and Eve messed up. And God sought to restore the relationship between him and them. Is that not hope? In Genesis 12, we see where God creates covenant with Abram and Sarah. And he says that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, God's giving them hope. When God encountered Jacob at Bethel, he renewed the covenant that he had made with Abraham. And he reinforced the hope that comes from being faithful. In Genesis 28, 15, God tells Jacob, I will not leave until I have done with what I have promised you. See, because God is a God of hope. And so in this morning's scripture, we read from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a time where the people of Israel are are looking back at the evidence of God's relationship with his people. And they also looked at their own situation before them. And they said to themselves, how long, O God, how long, O God, will you allow this to happen? How long, O God, will you leave us in this place? They knew that God was a God of hope. They had read the scriptures that had shown them that God was a God of hope. They knew their history where God was demonstrated as a God of hope. And so when Isaiah wrote, Israel, needed hope. The northern kingdom of Israel had been destroyed by the Assyrian army. The capital city of Samaria had fallen. The people were moved throughout the kingdom. In hope, they cried out to God. And the people of Judah also needed that hope. Because as Assyria focused, or as Assyria conquered the northern kingdom, they focused southward and they saw the kingdom of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. But yet Judah, instead of relying on God, had had put their hope in other things. As the Assyrian army came their way. They made a treaty with the Egyptians to defend them against Assyria. 
At the same time, the king of Judah had, had offered to pay tribute to the Assyrians to prevent the invasion and defeat of, Jer of Jerusalem. He was paying it in both ways, wasn't he? But see, for the people who are seeing an army coming, who are hearing of destruction and of things that have happened to their brothers and sisters in the northern kingdom of Israel, it didn't matter to them whether it was Egypt that was coming or whether they were paying off the Assyrians. They still needed hope. And so God chose a man named Isaiah to bring that message. And see, the words of Isaiah are words that you and I can read throughout this season. As Isaiah puts into words, words of longing and of expectation and of hoping. Where we look for and where we anticipate and where we invite God to be with us. God gave the people of Israel the hope that a Messiah would be coming. And in doing that, the Messiah would bring hope. See, this Advent, we're going to hear a number of script passages of Scripture from the book of Isaiah that tell us about the coming of the Messiah. Most of them are familiar to us. Most of them we hear in the songs of this season. And this morning we read Isaiah 7, verses 13 and 15, where it said, Then Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, isn't it enough for you to be tiresome for people that you were tiresome before my God? Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. What happened in, to Israel was tiresome to them. What was happening in the way that Israel was reacting had become tiresome to God. But see, friends, even as God is saying, even as Israel is wearing God down with their complaints, with whatever it is that they're doing and saying, what does God offer them? God offers them a promise. A promise of a greater truth, a promise of a greater life, a promise of a greater hope. And Isaiah wants them to see that someone was coming who would, who would answer only to God no matter what happened. That Jesus was coming. That Jesus was going to bring hope. And that Jesus' coming wasn't something that was out of the blue. That was not expected. That was not planned. But that Jesus was coming as God with us. Who is Emmanuel. Who is the one who will bring hope. That can never separate us from him. In the book of Psalms. Psalm 139. It says where can I go from your spirit. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the day for darkness is his light to you. See, the psalmist is saying that a king is going to come and Isaiah lets us know and remember and we know that that king is Jesus. Jesus whose birth was announced by an angel. Jesus whose presence in his mother's womb was confirmed by, by the child in Elizabeth's womb. Jesus who fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies that had pointed to a Messiah as Israel had looked for a new relationship between God and his people. The child in Mary's womb 
was to be the hope that would stir things up and would change eternity forever. See, friends, hope is there. When we remember the work of God and when we remember the way God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And so no matter where we are in our own lives, hope is here and it's still alive. And so even in our deepest pain, even in our deepest longing, even at the time when we just don't really know, we can still rest and reside in that hope that is offered to us by God. Because God with us tells us that God will be with us and that we can place our hope and our trust in Him. So I encourage you to look for hope this season by focusing on God and His faithfulness, by looking at the ways that, that God has been faithful and worked in and through your life in the times where we know that God's Spirit has been with us, where we can give God thanks. And when we give God thanks, our gratitude helps us to live into hope. And when hope begins to grow in our lives, then it grows and it spreads like a living thing into the lives of others. And so on this day, we are invited to focus on our hope, to give God thanks, and to anticipate the working of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, who offers you hope. Paul writes this in Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you, with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.